Father, thank you for this space. Thank you for this moment that we get to inhabit with you. I pray, Lord, that as you walk among us and as you speak to us and as you move our hearts, I pray, Lord, that we would respond to you, that we would move close to you. Father, that we would realize that there's so much more in our lives than than just living and, and paying bills and dying. But, Lord, that our life has purpose and that it should matter. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to embrace the life of Jesus today and and realize that we are put on this earth to live, not just survive until we die. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. You can stay standing, it's just going to be a little weird. But I'm pretty comfortable with weird. So, hey, if if you don't, um, this is like your first time with us. Or like you're at that point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to learn a little bit more about ordinary faith, or I don't think they'll steal my credit card information, whatever that is. Uh, just text the word welcome to that number that's on the screen, and that'll get you in the loop on our emails that we send out and on text messages that we send out and those kind of things, okay? So I'll leave that up there just for a second, and then we'll kick in. Hey, good morning. morning. Are you awake? All right, man, it's Easter and the Lord is risen. What you were supposed to say there was, he's risen indeed. Let's try it again. The Lord is risen. risen Awesome. Good job. Good job. Man, I tell you what, I love Easter. In fact, my son reminded me this weekend of something I used to do years ago. And you know, I've gotten older and calmer. (laughs) And so here, I'm going to do it. Are you ready? Guys, I'm turning off my mic so I don't blow up a speaker. Ah, there's nothing like a good yoo-hoo in church. Uh, am I on? Did I turn me off or on? Am I good? Okay, all right, good deal. Just thought I would check. Man, as I was sitting thinking about today and what God wanted to do, first of all, I'm glad to see you guys. I mean, I know some of you have been looking at uh, in on us online, uh, but it's just not the same. Uh, also, we didn't get to do this last year. Do you remember that? We didn't get to do Easter together. We had to do it in our homes. We did Easter in place, and that was just weird. And so, but here we are together today. (sighs) It's good. Amen. Amen. So I was thinking about what, what brings someone to church on Easter? Now, when I was a younger pastor, I used to be a lot meaner than I am now. I'm much kinder than I used to be. And some of you are going, what? You You were awful. Yeah, I was. So I used to say for all you guys here on Easter, Merry Christmas in case I miss you. And so I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. I stopped that. I realize there are a lot of re- things going on. The world has changed. And so I feel like I've matured. Not really, but I feel like at least I act mature sometimes. And I began to think, why, why do people come to church on Easter? Why do they come at all? And, you know, sometimes it's, it's about habit. It, it's a comfortable thing. You know, it's like that, that pair of pajamas that you really like. And churches kind of takes you back to your happy place, to those moorings you had when you were younger. And, and that's good. I thought of other things. Like, for some, it's comfort. I mean, the world is a very stressful place, isn't it? And the last year, I mean, if 2020 didn't stress you out, you're made of steel, right? I mean, that, that was a weird year. And I don't want to do it again either. But... But I do believe that the church that's going to come out of the ashes of 2020 is going to be way stronger than the church that went in. I do believe that to be true. Amen? So, you know, some, for some it's a comfort. It kind of connects us. But, and, and I love you. I'm that, we're going to be talking today about something that applies to everybody. But there's another reason you might be here today, whether you want to admit it or not. And I call it the search. You're looking. 
Life doesn't add up. You're sold this bill of goods in your youth, this American dream or whatever it is to pursue, and every year it begins to dissipate more and more. And you begin to settle into this survival mode, and you, you get to a place where you don't really enjoy. I mean, you do fun things, you have your escapes, but you start asking the question, does my life really matter? Am I really doing anything of significance with my days? And then that leads you into a spiritual discovery, or at least a search. Like, is there something to this God thing? Is he real? Does he care about me? Does he have anything to say? And so if that's you, you're here today and you're on a search, I just want you to know we're, we're going to kind of plow into Jesus a little bit. I'm going to invite you into a step into Jesus that you're probably not ready for, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's big. And sometimes you just got to jump in the deep end of the pool, right? Sink or swim, about, about 10% we're ready for that one, Lord. We'll see where this goes. And if you're the searcher, I just want to tell you something that you probably won't believe, but it's true. Christians freak me out too. It's true, man. They're weird. They scare me sometimes. Sometimes they're confused. Sometimes they're stressed out. Sometimes they have doubts. And I'm all of those things. So I just want you to know that that I'm, I'm at least trying to get it, even though I'm an older guy now. I'm not going to say old guy, but older guy. Michael will call me an old guy next week when he speaks, but right now I'm just an old, older guy. I, I'm trying to get and understand what that is. And when you think about Christians, there's a lot of reasons somebody puts the label Christian on their shirt or their life. And some of it, you know, some of it's like, uh, some of it's like a salve. Sometimes people... They call themselves Christian because it makes them feel better. When I was a kid, my mother had this stuff in the cabinet. I think it was 40 years old when I was a kid. It was called calamine lotion. I used to get, I, I still have allergic reactions, but you know, every now and then I'd find some, something that would break me out, and then I would be the pink kid on the block for the rest of the afternoon because she's, my mother's a believer in excess. I'm just saying. And some Christians are like, you know, their, their faith, it just makes them feel better. But then there are other Christians, I call them the Mercurochrome Christians. Now you only know what that is if you're older than 30, because it was outlawed in 1998. What is Mercurochrome? Devil spit in a jar. It is. You would come home with a cut, and mom would put this battery acid on it. You would scream and repent of all your sins and surrender to the ministry. And, uh, and I think the only reason she did that was so you wouldn't hurt yourself again. You'd like, you realize there were consequences to getting hurt. It hurt, plus it hurt, you know. And there are a lot of Christians like that. They think Christianity should hurt. And they, they want to go to church and they want to hear sermons that make them hurt. And they want to do penance on Sunday. And those people don't last very long in ordinary faith. <laughs> so so there, there's those kind of labels. And then there are other Christians who want to connect with God. And, and they want to know him. They know there's a God, and they're trying to, to reach into the nature of God and get to know him. And they want to know if he speaks. And, and that's, that's a great level. And then there, there's another one. I don't know if level's the right term or not, but they're the ones that Jesus becomes their reason. And, and, and now they, they move to a place where Jesus Christ becomes their purpose, and his will becomes their reason for living. And now they move to a place where what Christ says matters is what makes their life matter. 
And that is usually where I'm pushing people to go. All in. Jesus freaks. The really weird ones. That's usually where I'm going. And, and I get it. If you're there and you're like, Michael, I am not ready for Jesus freak yet. I get it. But give us time. Maybe we'll get there. So let's look at a story today about Jesus Christ. It's his life after death experience. Uh, the time that Jesus Christ, uh, you could say, went fishing, but we're looking at the time that he went out and, and, uh, and touched some guy's life. Now, I'm thinking about this story. I'm sorry, I've lost my way in my notes. It happens all the time. Don't worry, it means nothing. But <laughs> I'm thinking of Jesus Christ rising from the dead, and one of the things he does is he goes fishing. And I'm thinking of the anglers in the room that are probably thinking, well, yeah, if I rose from the dead, fishing would definitely be on my list. You know, I'm kind of thinking that's where my head would be. So let's jump into John 21, where Jesus restores Peter. John chapter 21, verse 3. The verses are on the screen. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, before I go any further, let me stop. What he's saying here is I quit. Okay? He's talking about going back to his career before Jesus. Because because Simon blew it. So let's go back to it. I'm going fishing. I quit. We'll come too, all the other disciples said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. You know, a fisherman who doesn't catch fish, is he really a fisherman, right? And all the wives go, yeah. Anyway, so verse 4. <laughs> At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Honest fishermen, that's weird. Catch and release today, Lord. Anyways, verse 6. <laughs> Sorry, I might be a little feisty today. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. So this life-after-death experience of Jesus where he comes back specifically for Peter. So we, we talk about Peter here. We meet Peter. Who is this guy? Peter's a guy who had left everything to follow Jesus Christ already. He had done that when Jesus had done this the first time. You see, Peter was a fisherman before he met Jesus. And then, then all of a sudden, and it just cracks me up, Jesus could, I mean, Peter could catch fish fine until he met Jesus, and now he can't catch fish anymore unless Jesus is around. And unless Jesus tells him where to fish, which has got to be a, a horrible blow to a fisherman that Jesus, who doesn't fish, has got to tell you how to fish. And so here he is, and he, he's, he's given up everything. He, he's followed Jesus Christ, and, and in doing so, um, he, he's had challenges, he's, he, he's, he's met resistance, he's, he's had battles within, all these kind of things. But at the, the crucifixion, Peter totally cratered. He failed, man. He denied Jesus. After saying, Jesus, I would die for you. And then when actually given the opportunity to lay down his life with Jesus, he ran from the opportunity. He was afraid to do it. And so Peter was just wiped out. Now, when we meet Peter at this point in the story, here's what you need to know. He'd already seen Jesus alive a couple of times. He knew Jesus was alive. Jesus being alive was not the problem with Peter's faith. Peter was the problem with Peter's faith. Peter no longer believed that God could do anything through Peter. 
And so that's why he stands up that day and says, you know what? I'm going back to my, my happy place, my comfort zone, the good old days. I'm going to go fish like I used to. You know what the problem is with the good old days? They weren't that good. We remember them as good because we need to, not because they were. Remember that. You can't go back. And so Peter was trying to go back to this comfortable place in his life that really wasn't that comfortable or he wouldn't have followed Jesus in the first place. And and he had made an all-in decision for Jesus already. And so going back on that was not going to be an option for him. But here he stands, quitting the ministry, out in a boat, trying to catch fish. Let me ask you a question. Can you identify with Peter Can you connect at all with being in a place in your life that you feel like you've just failed too many times, you've wiped out too often, there's no way that God can do anything with your life, that you're unredeemable, unfixable, and completely broken? Have you ever been there? That's where Peter is. That's where he is, and that's a place we can identify with. This is why the Bible is so important to your life, guys, because it's filled with stories of people who are just like us, just as messed up, just as broken, and God loved them, and God worked through them. So I want to to tell you that I think that life without Jesus is just life in motion. It's just motion. Because Peter's trying to go back, trying to go forward, trying to go any old direction he can. But without Jesus, he's stuck. And maybe that's why you're stuck. Maybe that's why you can't press forward. Why? Maybe that's why you're struggling with the significance of your life. That you're in motion, but you're more like a hamster on a wheel than a person running a race. You're in motion, but you're not getting anywhere. I think this is what life is without Jesus Christ. And and I want to ask you, Jesus shouts from the shore. No one knows who he is yet. And and I don't know, I really think Jesus had a lot of fun. I think he laughed a lot. And I can just hear him. They're out there fishing all night, and he shouts from the shore, have you caught any fish? Because he knew there were no fish in the boat. There were fishermen in the boat, but no fish in the boat, you know? Have you caught any fish? And to their credit, they were honest. But let me ask you a question. If Jesus shouted to you, have you caught any fish? Have you made it where you wanted to go? Have you accomplished what you called to do? Is your life significant? If Jesus shouted that today, what would your answer be? So, I say life without Jesus is just a life in motion, and it doesn't know where it's going. So I think things have to change. And I think that life has to move from a a life that's in motion to a life that's in relationship. So what happens? Jesus Christ invites the disciples to the shore. He invites them to breakfast. I love the fact that Jesus invites people to breakfast. (laughs) Verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. Do you know how Jesus fixes breakfast? breakfast. (laughs) Excuse me. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then the Lord served them the bread and the fish. Do you see that Jesus is still serving his disciples? He died serving them. He lived, served them, died to serve them. And he rises from the dead and continues serving them. 
Verse 14, this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. You see, what I want you to understand is that Jesus Christ is, is serious part of your, has to be a serious part of your life. Too many people make Jesus an add-on to their life. They're like, they're like this. They, I don't know, this, is, this may be more of a guy thing. Women may not connect to this, but, but try. Think like a guy for a second, women. Can you do that? No. Okay. I'm going to do it anyway. All right. So they, they get this box, a nice, neat box. They pick up down at the UPS store, and they write Jesus on it, all right? And they put it over here, and they put all the Jesus stuff in the box, you know, the Bible, the church attendance, the, the giving, the serving. And this is the Jesus box, and we put Jesus in the box, and we say, Jesus, stay in the box. And then we, we leave him over there, just like Peter's in the boat, and Jesus is on the shore. Do you see the problem with that? we got a relational issue when you're in the boat alone and Jesus is on the shore and you don't know who he is. And so we, we put Jesus over here in our box and then we go out and do our thing. Yay! I do everything I'm big enough to do. And that works out well for us. No, it doesn't. What do we do? We do our thing until we get into trouble. Relationships start to break down. Finances start to break down. Health starts to break down. Whatever it is. We're out there doing our will, doing everything we're big enough to do, and, and out in our life. And then sooner or later, we hit that, that stop that we finally realize, oh my goodness, I messed up. And then what? Back to the Jesus box. Okay, we'll get Jesus out of the box. Jesus, I messed up. Would you fix it all this time? Guys, if that's your faith, I'm not trying to insult you. But I want you to know that is weak faith. If you can put Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of Judah, the overcomer of all, the conqueror of sin and death, if you can put Jesus in a box and keep him there, you got the wrong Jesus. Do you understand? You can't contain the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is meant to fill your life. The Bible says in Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. Jesus is, is a, a Lord and Savior that will fill and consume your life. That is what he is there to do. You cannot do Jesus as an add-on. You cannot do a Jesus you come and visit sometime. If Jesus isn't in your boat, you don't get in the boat. You don't go fishing without Jesus, to borrow from Peter's analogy. And so here we, we have this going on. We don't want this kind of life. This is not how it works. What we need to do is come to Jesus. So the Bible says, has these passages in it all the time. Here's one in, in John 1 where Jesus says to the disciples, come and see. And we see at the end of that verse that they chose to stay with him. We have passages in the Old Testament where God says, taste and see that I'm good. What I want you to see from those invitations is God wants you to come and check him out. God is not afraid of your scrutiny. You, you will never stare God down. He's not intimidated by you. Okay? And so, as believers, as those seeking God, I want to tell you, you can, you can go ahead and come after Him. You can explore Him. You get to know Him. If you will come in honestly and seek Him, God says He will be found. But now, if you are just looking for a reason to run away from God, if you're just looking for a reason not to believe in God, you'll find that too. But if you're honestly seeking God, He will reveal Himself to you. And so Jesus invites those disciples to come. And we need to know He is not af afraid of our scrutiny. And let me say this to the believers in the house. 
God, your, your Savior Jesus Christ, your faith will stand up to scrutiny. One of the largest testimonies against our faith today is that Christians don't know that. And they're afraid. So stop being afraid. God is bigger than your doubts. Amen? God's bigger than your doubts. So, this relationship of Jesus Christ. So Jesus invites us to come. This is one of my favorite verses of all times. It's in Matthew 11. I love it because it has the word rest in it. And, and, and every time I get to it, I stop. Oh, never mind. Let me just read it. Then Jesus said, I love it when Jesus says something. Every time Jesus says something, that's for you, you know? It's something, it's a gift. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Oh, gosh. Just say it. Say it. Rest. Oh. Okay, one more time, all together. Rest. Oh, doesn't that feel? It just feels good. Oh, man. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, I'm telling you what. Jesus Christ wants us to come into this relationship where we learn. You see, he wants us to come into a, a union with him. And so that's why we have communion. Okay, that's why we share the body and the bread together, because we are coming into a union, a connection, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, he invites us to come and learn about him. Now, I don't want to insult any of you. I just want you to know, I don't care how long you've been following Jesus, however you understand him, it's not enough yet. In fact, no matter if you study the Bible and you are in relationship your entire life, the day you walk into the throne room and meet him face to face, I promise you, you are going to be blown away. Your idea of him is not enough yet. And so Jesus wants to teach you. He wants you to come in and he wants to, to you to learn about who he is, who he really is. He's bigger than you know, folks. He's more significant, and he matters more than you know. He just isn't like you, and whatever your imagination is of him, it is not enough. But then, he wants us to come and learn, but then he wants us to come and rest. Come and rest in him. Rest to Christianity today is almost like a four-letter word. It's like we are trying so hard to work and strain our way into rest. Do you know why? He's about to give an answer. Yeah. Because we're control freaks. You are a control freak. Not me. I mean, yes, me. What does that mean? We're trying to, to control everything in our lives. We're trying to be the masters of our universe. And it's stressing us out because we're not really that smart. We're not really that strong. You know what I'm saying? And so we keep trying to control things. And Jesus says, come to me because I'm Lord of all. Do you know who is in control? Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. You can't control your sphere, but he can. He's Lord over that sphere. Everything that's stressing you out right now, Jesus Christ is Lord of. Do you want to give yourself a big relief in your life today? Instead of asking God to control the stuff you can't, just declare Jesus as Lord over the stuff you can. Because that's what he is. Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And as you come into relationship with him, as you get to know him, and he brings you into his intimate understanding of who he is, that closeness of who he is, you begin to trust him. And this is what relationship is. It's learning Christ. It's resting in Christ. Does that sound good? Would you, would you like some rest on a resurrection day? And this is why he rose from the grave, to be in relationship with you. But what is a relationship? I mean, yes, it's coming to Jesus, learning about Jesus. But a lot of times we, we boil it down and we turn it into a bunch of religious activities, like going to church and, and doing religious stuff. Is that really what a relationship is? If, if you were in a marriage and, and all that marriage was was you were just serving the other person and all you did was the dishes and laundry and wash the car and did the job, what kind of relationship would that be? That, that would just be parallel lives living in the same house. That wouldn't be relationship. And so relationship is more than just stuff. Relationship is a conversation. So let's look at this conversation between Simon Peter and Jesus. In John 21, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's he talking about? The disciples, the fish. I kind of think he's talking about the fish because I think he's alluding back to Simon trying to go back to his old job. And so do you love me more than your old job? But it might have been a comparison to the other disciples, but it seems like it was his old job. And so do you love me more than these? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter says, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Then a third time he asked him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What I need you to see here is one, I want you to see that Jesus wanted to start a conversation with Simon. And it's very significant that he calls him Simon. You see, Simon Peter, as we know him, or we, as we often just call him Peter, man, he had left, he had left the, the career on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. And he had followed Jesus Christ. And then one day, Jesus offered a pop quiz to the disciples. Jesus was like that. He liked to get in people's business. So he asked the disciples. He said, hey, who do people say that I am? And all the disciples gave all the non-answers that Christians like to give. Oh, some say you're this and some say you're that. And then Jesus, who always likes to get right in the thick of it, says, okay, well, who do you think I am? Everybody shuts up. I don't know who you are. You're scaring me. You're weird. That was probably what they were thinking. But not Peter. Peter, either because he was too dumb or too excited, who cares? Shouts out, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, there was a yuha in, uh, in Greek. You can, you can check me on that. And if you find it, let me know. I'll be just surprised as you. But anyway, and so he, he busted the curve. He, 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 he became like that. Jesus said, oh, good job. He put a gold star on him, and the gold star was the name Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church. So that day, he went from Simon 
the fisherman, the career guy, the blue-collar guy, to now he's the rock. He's the pebble that, that's going to become something. He's going to be very important to the future of, of Christ's church. So that was like the high point, you know, and, and, and there was a... He blew it right immediately there. Peter is, I so identify with Peter because he was so good at getting it right and then cratering immediately. And that is exactly what I do. And so, anyway, he gets all the way through this. We know what happens at the crucifixion, how he denies Christ. Now he's getting ready to walk away. And Jesus comes to him. And Jesus says, Simon. And he's saying to him, Simon, I know what you were, I know your past. I know your story. I know your brokenness. I know your rough places. I know your broken places. I know your junk. And I love you. That's why he called him Simon. He wasn't just calling him Simon to make him feel bad. He was calling him Simon because he was saying, I care about you, Simon Peter. And I know your story and I ain't scared. That's southern for I'm not scared. (laughs) I am not scared. Jesus wants to start a conversation with you. And he does not have a problem with your past. He does not have a problem with your worst mistake, your most awful brokenness. He does not have a problem with you. You have a problem. And here's what Jesus does. He's he's the great physician. And the great physician knows in order for a wound to heal, it's got to be cleaned. And so he takes Peter to his worst moment and he cleanses it. Why does he ask him if he's going to follow, if he loves him three times? Because three times Peter said he he didn't know him. And so Jesus went to each of those wounds and he cleans it out and purifies it. And he starts a conversation. And that's what God wants to do with you. He wants to heal your past. He wants to cleanse it. He wants to free you from it. God cares about your freedom, not your guilt, not your shame. But you got to let him go there. you got to let him heal you. you got to let that conversation come up. And when it does, you can be free. Because that's why Jesus came. It is for freedom that you've been set free, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5. And Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free and give sight to the blind. So Jesus wants to start this conversation with you. And that's the beginning of following Jesus. That's the discipleship journey. But there's more to it than that. You see, Jesus isn't out there just collecting these broken relics of us, remaking us, and setting us on some kind of trophy shelf. Lord knows he could do that. That would be an awesome trophy shelf just off what's in this room. But that's not what he's here to do. He's not here making trophies. He's making champions. He's making warriors. And so he comes to Peter, and he heals his wounds, and he, and he hurts him. He hurts him to heal him. But then he gives him a purpose. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. 
Peter, i got a mission for you. I have a job for you. I have a purpose for you. And it's not fishing for fish. It's not going back to where you've been. It's going into a future that's beyond your wildest dreams. It's about you, Peter, becoming someone who preaches a message of hope to the entire world. Peter, I'm going to use you to flip the world on its head because you're my champion. That's why God wants a conversation with you. God wants to take that broken place in you and he wants to turn it into your gift to give to the world. He wants to take the worst parts of your story and heal them so completely that you can take those worst parts and heal other people. You have a purpose. Most of America today is walking through a story that they don't think they matter. And God put you on this planet to do something significant. Something that matters. That's why you're here. (sighs) Will you step into that? Will you do that? Because I get it. I know the challenges of faith. If you think this guy hasn't struggled with faith, I have. I have wrestled everything I was taught as a child. I had to, to re-inspect and make my own. Or some things got discarded and things got, other things got rebuilt. And guys, I, I don't, we want to be a, a church, a faith community, where you can kick the tires on faith and you can, you can ask those hard questions. We're not scared. Well, sometimes we are, but we're, we're not that scared. We know our God stands up to scrutiny. We want to be there for you, but... Sooner or later, kicking the tires either becomes buying the car or walking off the lot. And what we want for you is to own this Christian life in its entirety. We want to help you begin to live in such a way that you are free from this crazy world that's full of darkness and junk. I don't know if you know it or not, but all that stuff that's out there that's got you worried, it's a bunch of lies. You see, on Friday of the Holy Week, it looked like the enemy had won. That's because God was waiting until Sunday. He wanted to make the Sunday paper. <laughs> For you guys that don't know what that is, the newspaper used to come on. I believe Jesus Christ wants to empower your life to do something believe he wants to give you a life that has purpose and meaning a life that's so significant that money and popularity and fame and possessions will be irrelevant to you i know it takes a great deal of faith to step off into something like that but you might be ready for that today you might be ready to take those first steps of faith where you begin to, you start maybe by praying and then you start actually following Jesus and learning what he said and trying to figure out how awesome he is. That, that's a great place to start. You may be at a place where it's time you realize, i got to level up. I cannot play this Jesus in a box thing anymore. I, that's not working for me. And so my prayer for you today is that you will step out in faith and you will own this and you will all in on Jesus Christ. That's what I'm asking of. Let's bow our heads for a second. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. And while they're coming forward, let me just talk to you for a minute. Your heads are bowed, eyes closed. I know it's a little weird, but what I'm trying to do is just kind of do the best I can at a one-on-one conversation.
And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to start this journey with Christ. And in fact, I have a prayer that I wrote down this morning that, that might help. Let me read it. I don't want you to do anything with it, but this was a prayer God gave me this morning. It was a prayer that goes like this. God, I'm letting go of my will, my sin, my control issues. And I declare Jesus as the Lord over me. From this day on, I'll live your purpose for me in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to hear that. Some of you may want to pray that with me in just a second. But I, I am asking you to level up. I'm asking you to, to step out into the faith God has for you. I'm, I'm doing like Jesus said. I want you to come to Him, not to me. To Him. And have a real faith that's empowered. That's a conversation that heals. But you've got to start somewhere. And if you're ready to start, pray something, pray like this. Pray what, we just, what I just read to you. Pray something, you don't have to do this out loud, but just pray, God, I'm letting go of my will, of my sin, and my control issues. And I declare Jesus as Lord over me. From this day on, I'll live your purpose for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, I, I come to you and I don't know where hearts are in the room, but you do. All, all I can do is deliver words and fuel them with the passion that you've granted me. Lord, I don't want anyone to leave here in doubt of the fact that God has been in this place. And I don't want anyone to leave here with a half-hearted commitment to you either. I, I don't want them to just pick up their Jesus box and take it home and try and keep Jesus in that box. I want you to break their box. I want you to unleash Jesus on all of our lives. Father, I pray that every soul in this room that has been, been trying to decide about you and wondering about you, I pray that today would be their day. I pray that just like Jesus rose from the grave, that they will also rise from the dead. And they will begin to live in a relationship with you and in a conversation Thank you for whatever you do in Jesus' name. Before we stand, Michael and I and maybe some others will be over on my right, your left. There's a prayer table over there. If you prayed that prayer, would you come and talk to us and let us pray over you and release God's blessing over you? Let's stand and let's sing. Pastor Steve.